Good morning again, everyone. It is so good to see all of you here today. We're glad that you're with us. Welcome to Smyrna Campus. Love you guys. Glad you've connected. Everybody connecting with us online today. I know the weather was still a little tricky and treacherous for a lot of people out there, and more of you may be connecting online today. We're glad that you have that option and can connect with us there. By the way, if you're connecting online through our YouTube channel, there is a chat feature there, and if you need to get more information or want to set up a time to talk to a pastor or ask questions about next steps, just comment and that chat section there, and we've got somebody live monitoring that. They'll be glad to follow up with you on that. We're glad that you're with us today. There was uh, the story a guy wrote about God creating everything and about the purpose of life, and here's how it goes. He said this, God created the dog, and he said, here's your purpose. Sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who walks by. He said, for this, I'm going to give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog said, 20 years of barking? That's way too long. What if I give you 10 back and just keep 10? And God said, okay, we'll do it. Well, then he created the monkey, and he said, your purpose is to entertain people, to do tricks and make them laugh. And for this, I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. And he said, 20 years of doing monkey tricks, that's way too much. I'll give you 10 back. I'll keep 10. God said, okay, that'll work. He created the cow, and he said, your purpose is to go into the field with a farmer all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, and give milk for the family to help support the farmer's family. For this, I'll give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, 60 years? That sounds like a hard life. I'll tell you what, how about I'll take 20 and give back the other 40? And God said, okay, we'll do it. Then God created man and said, your purpose is to eat and sleep and play and marry and enjoy your life. And for this, I'll give you 20 years. And the man said, only 20 years? That's not enough time. He said, why don't we do this, God? Would you, would you give me back the years that the other animals gave back to you? Would you just add those onto mine? It'd be a total of 80 years. And God said, okay, I'll give you all 80 years. You asked for it. And he said, that's why now for our first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we labor in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And for the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everybody who comes by. The purpose of life, it's a, it can be kind of a mysterious thing. People are always looking for their purpose. And today, we're going to continue our message series that we've been doing called Renewed. And in this series so far, we've been discovering that God wants to renew us, give us a, a full and complete life as He designed it to be. But sometimes we, we have struggles or problems and things in the world that beat us down and rob us of our joy and, and keep us from fulfilling our purpose that God created us for. The first week we looked at how we needed to be renewed in our spirit. We're more than just flesh and bone, aren't we? We're, we are spiritual beings, and, and our spirit is under attack constantly. But God wants to renew our spirit, give us a, 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 a joyous and not a life without problems, but a life where we know the problems are manageable because we can go to God. We have His Spirit in us always to renew us and refresh us. And then we talked about last week, renewing our love for God. And if we get our love for God renewed like it needs to be, it, it permeates every part of our lives. And we love others better when we love God first and best in our lives. We do a better job 
of loving others. And if we're honest, all of us, all of us from time to time need some renewal and some refreshing, don't we? Every person needs some of that. I mean, we renew other things, right? We, we don't think anything about that. We have to renew our driver's license once in a while, right? We, we have to renew our passport if we're going to travel overseas. They don't last forever. You have to renew them once in a while. Sometimes we even renew our marriage vows, right? And, and that's a beautiful thing, a refreshing thing when you do that with your marriage. Well, life has a way of making us feel like we're just going through the motions sometimes. I know we all get caught up in that. It, because it's so routine, so much of life is. It's everyday stuff. You get up, you get ready, you go to work. I hope you go to work. You should go to work unless you're retired. And then, okay, we'll give you a break there, but go do something. Don't just sit there, right? You get up, you get ready, you go do things. Then you come home, you got to eat during that time. You know, you might eat breakfast, you might have a lunch break and eat lunch. Uh, and then you, you go home and you got to fix something to eat there and you eat at home. Uh, and if you got kids, of course, you got to be sure they got their homework, all that done. Then you get them to bed. Then you get ready to go to bed. You know, you fall asleep watching television probably, if, if you're like me. Uh, uh, you have a, a chair that you sit in and, and it doesn't take you long. You know, you might nod off or, or whatever. And then you wake up and what do you have to do the next day? Same thing again, right? Got to get up and go through. Now, there's some variation once in a while, but, but that over and over again routine of life can rob us of joy and the feeling of fulfillment and real purpose for life. And so today we're really going to focus on this idea of allowing God to renew our purpose in life, the purpose he intended us to have in life. And I want to start with this first statement. The first point on your outline is critical for you to understand, for all of us to understand, and that's this. We are all made on purpose. We're made on purpose for a purpose. Every human being in the world is made on purpose by God, and they're made for a purpose that God has for that person. See, we, we forget that sometimes. We just feel like we're going through the motions so many times, and we forget that God had a plan in advance for our lives, or we wouldn't even be here right now without that plan. And, and sometimes we, we get off track, and we start thinking differently about our lives. You know what it's like when you create something, you're very proud of it? If you've worked hard on it, you really invested a lot in it. It's like a kid, a child in school, right? They, they make something at school that they're supposed to bring home, bring home to you, and they bring it home, and the first thing they want to do, right, when you pick them up or when they get to the house is what? I want to show you what I made today. And they expect you to do what with it? Most people will, like, put it on the refrigerator or something, right? You put it up there with a refrigerator magnet. you got young kids at home. Your refrigerator is probably covered with stuff that your kids made, Right? made out of macaroni or something, you know, they've glued it on there, whatever it is, because they created it. And when you create it, you're proud of it. And you want it to be on display. You're that for God. He made you. He created you. He wants you to be on display for him. He's got a purpose for your life. He, he wants you to bring glory and honor to him, to his name with your presence here in the world. If God has a refrigerator, your picture is on it. It is. You're that valuable to him. You are that important to him. 
And there's a reason in the creation story in the book of Genesis when God, every, look at every day of creation. No, you don't have to do it right now, but when you have time, go back and look at every day of creation. When he finished that day, he looked at it, and what did he say? It's good. It's good. Why? He was proud of his creation. I mean, look at the wonderful, amazing world that he created. Now, we've messed it up some, but he created it wonderful, beautiful, amazing. And even now, even though we've messed it up some, it's still an amazing creation. But that last creation, what was it? It was us. It was human beings. And he looked at us and he said, not just it's good. He said, it's very good. Very good. You see, we are the crowning achievement of his creative power and work. And we lose sight of that, and we lose sight of the value that God puts on us and how proud he is of his creation with us. And I know we mess up, and I know we come short of what he created us to be, but he still never changes how much he loves us, loves his creation, wants only the best for his creation. And so when we're thinking about our purpose, we need to remember we're made on purpose. We're made for a purpose. It begins with the fact that God made us. I love Psalm 139. Go back and read the whole psalm later. I just love going back to it over and over again. Psalm 139, beginning with verse 13, says this. The psalmist is writing this psalm to God himself. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Don't ever doubt that you were made on purpose and that you were made for a purpose by the creator God, the creator of the universe. Every individual human being is made on purpose and made for a purpose, which means every baby in the womb is made on purpose and for a purpose too. You don't need to forget that. Every baby in the womb right now is there on purpose and therefore a purpose too. That's God's word. That's God's plan. Now we can always mess up God's plan, can't we? And we can always try to excuse it and make reasons for it, but that's God's plan for every baby in the womb. They're there on purpose and for a purpose. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we are made for by on purpose and for a purpose. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and verse 10, uh, he says this, we're God's handiwork, all right? We, we, are, we were put together, made right by God. Uh, we are God's handiwork. And then he says this, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. And here's the amazing thing about the good works that he prepared, he made us to do. All right, here's part of our purpose is to do this good work. But these purposes, these good works... God prepared them in advance for us to do before he made us. Isn't that cool? Before we were even knit together in our mother's womb, he already had prepared in advance where we were going to be, when we were going to be born, how long we were going to be on this earth, and the good stuff he wanted us to be doing while we're here. All of that was prepared in advance. 
Doesn't that add value to life? Understanding the purpose, that we're created on purpose, for a purpose, by God himself. I love uh, Paul as the author of much of the New Testament, and, uh, but he wasn't always known as Paul. If you know his life story, I want to spend a little time on that today because if anybody got his purpose wrong early on, it was Paul. But God was able to renew his purpose and get him on track with what he had prepared in advance for Paul to do. So I want us to look at some of his life in Acts chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning there. Acts chapter 9, we're going to go through an account of uh, part of the life of the man we know as Paul. He started out in life with a misplaced purpose. And I think having a misplaced purpose is more common than we think. I think there are a lot of us walking around on the face of the earth right now with a misplaced purpose. And culture has a way of trying to get us to think wrongly about what our purpose is here on this earth. Uh, some people think their only purpose here is to have fun, right? Just have fun. Just whatever makes you happy, you just have fun no matter what. That's your only purpose. Just do that, right? Some people think my only purpose here is to make all the money I can make, right? Just make money. Get rich or die trying. That's my purpose. I'm going to do everything I can to make all the money I can make. That's my purpose. My purpose is to get famous. I want everybody to know my name. I want everybody to think I was the best of the best of the best at whatever it is, right? That's my purpose on this earth. And when you get off track, on, and, and there are others, but when you get off track on misplaced purposes, not only are you going to run into all kinds of heartache and problems, but here's the worst part of it. You're going to miss the actual purpose God had for you, which causes you to miss all the fulfillment of the life he wanted you to have. You see, when you make the wrong choice about your purpose, you miss the good work that God had planned to do in your life, through you and in you, the good work that he had planned to do. Well, let's look at how it worked out for, for Saul. Saul had been given direction, we're going to see here in Acts chapter 9, to persecute anyone who has uh, become a part of the way. Now, Paul, before he became Paul, was known by that name, Saul. And Saul was a Pharisee. And Saul was believing that his call from God, his purpose from God, was to stop this new movement. And they had a phrase for the people who belonged to this movement. They had a phrase for this movement, uh, uh, a, a term they used for it. They called it the way. All right? Christianity was referred to as the way. And he said he felt like his purpose was from God. Now, he believed this was from God. His purpose was to destroy the way which meant anybody that went that, to follow that way, anybody that pursued that way, he needed to find them, uh, arrest them. Uh, they often would persecute them. They even executed some of them for becoming followers of the way. Let's pick up here in Acts 9 and verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. 
As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, I'm not saying that if you get off track, God's going to do this to you. But I am saying that God will try to get your attention in a variety of ways through people, circumstances, events that happen. I know he's done it with me. I'm sure he's done it with you on occasion, too. And it's easier to see it looking back sometimes than when it's actually happening, where God is trying to get your attention and let you know you're not going the right way. You're not fulfilling the right purpose with your life. I've got something better for you than what you're doing, than what you see as your purpose right now. Saul had a misplaced purpose. He was missing the good work that God had planned for him to do because he thought he knew better what the work was that God wanted him to do. He thought that his work was to wipe out Christianity when, in fact, we find out God had a different plan for him, a different purpose for him. It was certainly the opposite completely of what he had been doing with his life. And so God uses something dramatic to get his attention, to get him to, to rethink his purpose for his life because he was not living up to his God-given potential to do the good work he had prepared in advance for him to do. And I think some of us, whether you're listening online or at the Smyrna campus or here, some of you may be feeling once in a while that same aching feeling, maybe I'm not really fulfilling the purpose God has for me. I'm not really doing what God wants me to be doing with my life. But I want to caution you, this is not so much about what job you have or what career you're in. It's not so much about that. It's deeper than that. I'm convinced to a large degree you can fulfill God's purpose no matter what job you have. As long as it's not anything immoral in opposition to the Word of God, you can fulfill God's purpose with almost any job that you work to support your family or to support yourself. I don't think it's all about what career path you choose. I think it's about how you choose to conduct yourself within that career path? Do you see a higher calling to it than just getting the paycheck or just being told you're good at that job or getting rich or famous, right? Is, do, you have, do you understand there's a deeper purpose God has for you than just doing that with your job or with your career? Because God wants us to have a purpose beyond the here and now. You see, when God created us in Genesis, it tells us he breathed into us the breath or the spirit of life. And here's the thing about God's spirit. God's spirit is eternal. So when you become a living being with the spirit of God breathed into you, you become eternal too. Your life is far more than just a temporary here and now. 
So when you think about purpose and meaning for your life, you need to think not just next 10 years. Uh, maybe I can get to retirement in this many years, and then I will have got to my purpose is to retire and enjoy. You know, you got to think past that. You see, you're going to exist for eternity. So am I. So what is the eternal purpose for the time that I have here? What's the eternal purpose for the time you have here? Good education, that's great. Make a lot of money, that's great. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But did you consider anything beyond that when you're thinking about your purpose for being here? Which brings me to the third point here, and that's this. If you've got a misplaced purpose, if you can let God renew your purpose and he can give you a meaningful purpose beyond the here and now. He did that for Saul, but it's not just limited to Saul and what he did in Saul's life. He can do that for every one of us. He can give us a more meaningful purpose than just going through the motions here in this world and only the temporary things that we can accomplish here. So God uses a man named Ananias to help restore Saul's eyesight and, and bring God's message to him about what God's plan was for him. So let's pick up here in Acts 9 and verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. That's in Damascus, by the way, Straight Street. They had a street named Straight Street. I like that. They weren't very creative, were they? <laughs> we'll just call this one straight, right? Well, this is straight street. So or anyway, that's just what I think when I see it. That's where my mind goes. Sorry. Uh, on straight street, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So God's working this from both sides now. With Saul, he's there blind, but Saul's praying. And while he's praying, God gives him a vision of somebody named Ananias who's going to come give him his sight back. Then he goes to Ananias and says, Ananias, Saul's in town. He's over on straight street at that house. You go to that house and ask for him, and he's looking for you. He's expecting you. Ananias is not so happy about this mission, this assignment. Look at verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I love how we try to tell God he's made a mistake. <laughs> you missed something, God. You see, I know something about this guy. You probably don't know yet. This guy's been persecuting Christians. He's looking for them. He's wanting to arrest them. I'll be walking right into a trap here if I go right into where he is and he knows I'm a follower of the way. He's going to arrest me. I might, you know, he might do harm to me. God, uh, I just wanted to clear that up for you because so, I know you're, with that information, you'll probably change the assignment, right, God? <laughs> like God didn't know all that stuff already, right? Isn't it amazing how we argue with God? When God is prompting us in his spirit and, and clear teaching in his word, here's what you need to do. And we actually have the audacity to argue with him and say, that's not what we need to do. That's not how we need to do it. We've got a better plan than you do, God, as if we've got inside information that God doesn't have about why this would be better. Whether it's our marriage or our career or, or friendships or anything, we tell God yeah, I know what your word says, but, but here, listen, in my circumstance, it should work this way instead. 
right? We make excuses for doing it the way we really want to do it anyway. But God's plan's always best. He's always got a higher purpose and a higher calling behind what he's telling us to do, what he's teaching us to do. And it's always out of love that he's teaching us what he teaches us, telling us what he tells us, giving us the instructions. That he, it's always out of love that he says, do it this way. He would not intentionally tell Ananias to do this without a plan that includes loving both Saul and Ananias. Just like he would never lead us somewhere without that plan allowing for how much he loves us. And wants only what's best for us too. It all comes down to knowing God well enough to trust him. That his plan's going to be the best. So the Lord said to Ananias, verse 15, go. Why? Because this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. And to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He gave Ananias a whole bunch at one time here. This guy Saul, who right now is only known to be a persecutor of the church, is actually going to be a great leader for the cause. And he's going to have influence and, and access to pay people and places that nobody else would have because of who he is. And I'm going to be able to use him in amazing ways for the cause, for the way. If you'll go do what I'm telling you to do, call him to what I'm calling him to, you're going to see me use him in great ways. Says verse 17, Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I just want to throw this in here a little bit. Everybody that says, you know, baptism's not connected to your conversion experience and all that. I mean, Saul has been blinded. He's had sight restored. He's had this great event take place. And still, what was he instructed to do? Be baptized. Why? Because if you accept by faith that God is the one who's done this and has a plan for your life, you're willing to obey him right away. He said, be baptized. In fact, in Paul's own account later on in Acts 22, he says that Ananias said to him specifically, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He still had sin that he needed to be forgiven of. And he told him, you need to be baptized. And so he got up right away and was baptized. And you don't want to say baptism by itself did that. That's not the point. The point is, if you really believe and trust God, what would you be willing to do when he commands you to do it? Be baptized. It's that simple. You wouldn't put it off. You just go ahead and take care of it because he commands it. If you truly believe and trust, truly have faith. So Saul responds... And he is baptized. It says here, uh, immediately that when those scales fell from his eyes, he could see again, was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Remember, he hadn't eaten for how long? Three days. I'd be starving. How about you? Right? I miss lunch, and I feel bad. All right? Three days. Spall, uh, Saul spent several days. Spall. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> combined Paul and Saul, you get Paul. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who were calling his name? Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet he grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. If you thought anybody had a convincing testimony, it would be Saul, right? I mean, that kind of dramatic turnaround, that dramatic change, and he could share how that all happened in his life. He had a dramatic testimony to share. And they could see real transformation in his life. Now, I sometimes have been concerned that, you know, I don't have some dramatic conversion story to share with people. And so, so that might weaken your testimony if you don't have some dramatic story like that you can share with people. But here's the thing that was most convincing. It wasn't even the story about the light on the road to Damascus that amazed the people the most. It was the change of his life purpose that amazed the people the most. His purpose went from attacking Christianity, trying to destroy it, to defending the faith at every opportunity. You see, your testimony, my testimony, doesn't depend on some dramatic event what it really depends on is have we been radically changed and transformed by the power of God? Has our life purpose changed since we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? And has it changed in such a way that people can see that we're living for something different now than we used to be living for? We're not just living for the fame or the money or whatever it is we were living for before. We're living with a higher calling and purpose than that. I think where we miss it in the, in the American church more than anywhere else is we think you've got to be this pastor or you've got to be you know, in some kind of uh, ministry area or company that's a ministry uh, working there in order to do ministry work when the whole time he's been calling all of us to be world changers for him. Every one of us have that purpose, that we impact our world for God. And you know how you do that? You don't always do that with the big things. If you become faithful in the little things, you be the husband God wants you to be, the wife God wants you to be. You be the parent to your children that God has called you to be. You're changing the world when you do that. You be the coach that God wants you to be because you're not just coaching to win games, you're coaching to change lives, to help people find their way to Jesus. The musician that God's called you to be, you're not just trying to sell records and get a crowd there to see you. You're there to be a witness by your life example. The teacher in the school, the healthcare worker at the hospital. Whatever your job is, that's just an avenue. That just gives you access to people to be that witness and that influence on them that God wants you to be. And that's how the church changes the world. One person at a time, understanding their calling and their purpose from God, and whatever job or role God has you in, being that example and that witness God wants you to be. Mother Teresa was once asked, 
You know, people were bragging on her that had come to visit her in Calcutta and about the great work she was doing. And one lady said, I want to do great work like you're doing. What, do you, what should I do, Mother Teresa? She said, go home and love your family. Start there. You'll start changing the world if you do that. If you do it the way God wants you to do it. You're the witness God wants you to be right there in your home. That's a world-changing thing. Let's stop thinking it's got to be some big grandiose thing. Now, if God opens up a door for a big grandiose thing, that's great. Walk through it. Do that. But, but don't wait for that to think God's using me for his purpose. Don't just think that's the only way it's going to happen. Let God use you in the day-to-day, everyday stuff. Here's what you need to know. Sometimes God's going to use circumstances and people around you to help guide you and direct you. But, but you know what I find out he uses the most is simply his word. His word reveals his will for your life, his purpose for your life. The more you know and understand God's word, the more equipped you are to know God's will, what God wants for you in your life. Because here's the thing about his will for your life. It will never contradict his word. Ever. God's will for your life will never contradict his word. You know, people tell me all the time when they want to get out of a marriage that's hard or something like that. I just feel like it's God's will that I'm supposed to be with this other person. Not if you're married to somebody else, it's not. God's will never contradicts his word. Ever. Don't ever let yourself be deceived into thinking that. Now, you may have made a choice God didn't want you to make way back, but that's where you are now. And so you obey God's word where you are now. Right? You honor him with where you are now. It's not just marriage, it's anything in your life. I know we make some bad choices along the way, but wherever we are right now, let's be faithful right now to God's plan and purpose for our lives. Wherever we are right now. Just day to day, do those things that honor God. My life verse that I chose many years ago is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want to share it with you again, and we'll put it up on the screen. I want you to hear it. I think if we could all grasp this, and this doesn't have to be your life verse, but if we can grasp this concept, it'll clarify purpose for your life, okay? Here's what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, all right, so since you, once you know what God does for you, how he's let his son Jesus die for you, how much he values you, how he offers you grace and mercy and forgiveness, once you understand that, all right, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. That means you, you don't just do it once. A living sacrifice, how often do you do it? All the time. So you offer your whole life all the time as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper what? Worship. Oh, but I showed up for an hour or two on Sunday. I already worshiped this week. No, what is your true and proper worship? Your whole life. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, those are days of worship too. Every day is a worship day. When you understand your purpose, it goes beyond just this world. So he says, this is your true and proper worship. And then he adds this to it, all right? So he's given us clarification for how you live this out. Here's what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing being renewed, right? What needs to be renewed? The renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will for you is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. But how do you know God's will? When you start thinking the way God wants you to think. 
You get your mind renewed. Well, what do you, how do you renew your mind? Well, where is God's will revealed? In God's word. So what do you have to put in your mind to have your mind renewed so you know God's will? You got to put the word in there. I love what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is God breathed. All right, so it comes directly from the mouth and the breath of God. Here's what he says about God's word. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that, here's the purpose behind it, the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What did God prepare in advance for us to do? good work. How do we understand and know the good work God wants us to do? By having our minds renewed by the word of God. Then we'll be able to test and approve and know what God's word is saying to us, what God is teaching us, what God is telling us about how to live our lives. It becomes the guiding force for the everyday life we're living that seems so insignificant when you don't understand the higher calling, the higher purpose that God has behind it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we've been reminded today that you have called us to have a renewed purpose. And sometimes we, we're right on track and we understand we're living for you. There's a higher calling, higher, but sometimes we get bogged down in the day-to-day -day and the, the hard things and the struggles and we just don't, we forget the meaning and the purpose of it all. Renew us, Father, in our minds. Help us to know again and anew today that we have a high and a holy calling. We're made on purpose and for a purpose. And the highest calling and purpose of life is to bring glory and honor to you. And we discover what that is through your word. Taking it into our hearts and our minds. Putting it to the test by living it out daily. Because, Father, you've called us all to be world changers. By doing the day-to-day -day things that show love for you, gratitude to you, and a desire to honor you. Help us to live it out daily in Jesus' name. Amen.